You're listening to Comedy Central. It's been a really rough, uh, I just wanted to check in on all of you, everybody who works here. I know there's been a really rough time this past week. Um, a lot of cartoon characters have been changing their outfits. And I just wanted to make sure you guys are all feeling safe and secure. The M&M's thing rocked people. Um, now Disney announced that Minnie's gonna be wearing a pantsuit. People are losing their shit over this because apparently they liked those sexy, sleek legs of hers. A lot of people don't know what this means for the future of the country. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I, 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 I didn't ever think a country could be this angry about cartoon characters changing their outfits. Like people are angry. Minnie Mouse should be wearing that mini skirt, okay? It's called, she's called Minnie Mouse, not, not Pants Mouse, okay? I wanna see that ass, okay? People literally are on the news being like, this is destroying the fabric of society, huh? What's next? Donald Duck, you're not gonna be able to see his dick, huh? Just wear different outfits. The only people who shouldn't wear different outfits is like people who are geniuses because they don't wanna waste time. Like, uh, like Albert Einstein, he says he wore the same clothes every day because he didn't wanna waste time thinking about what he was gonna wear. He's like, I'm trying to solve the universe. I can't figure out if like check goes with polka dot. You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure shit out. Uh, Steve Jobs, same thing. He was like, yo, same outfit. I'm not wasting my brain power. A lot of people do that in like life now. They go like, yeah, I don't waste time thinking because I wanna, but people don't realize not picking your clothes doesn't mean you automatically become smarter. Some people are still dumbasses, but now you just wear the same clothes every day. <laughs> and I don't think people realize that that might be the one saving grace that you have. Cause now you're coming with the same dumb shit every day and you look the same. At least if you switch things up, people be like, that shit was dumb again, but nice shirt. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, schools in Omicron. Why football is weird. And Lindsey Vaughn. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show, I'm Trevor Noah. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. And we begin with the Supreme Court, the world's lamest gospel choir. Today, major news, people. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has officially announced that he is retiring. And I know you're thinking, wait, we spoke about this yesterday. No, that wasn't officially, that was unofficially. That was like a tweet that was official, but it wasn't official. This is official, official, right? And this is gonna have ramifications, but before we get into the politics, let's take a moment to honor Justice Breyer's career. And that's enough of that. All right, so Joe Biden, you may remember, promised during the campaign that he was going to nominate a black woman if an opening on the Supreme Court came up because he cares deeply about representation and winning Georgia. And so now it looks like that's what he's planning to do, but everyone is not happy about that. Right off the bat, he is excluding all potential candidates who are not African-American women. So if you're a man, if you happen to be white, an Asian American, a Hispanic American, Joe Biden will not even look at your resume. To exclude certain candidates based solely on race and gender is beyond extremely divisive. Uh, it may even be illegal. I don't think the president should ever, ever insult the person he's gonna nominate by saying, you're not the most qualified person, you're just the most qualified black woman person. Well, I mean, what kind of a qualification is that, being a black woman? I mean, is this our standards now? 
in terms of the highest court in the land? You almost got the impression that Joe Biden believes all black women are the same. They're identical. This is exactly why decent Americans hated segregation. It dehumanized people. And why isn't there an American Indian on the court or a genderqueer? Why isn't there an Afghan refugee under consideration? Yeah. And why isn't there a sexy M&M under consideration? I'm talking about one of those M&Ms that goes right from the legs, straight to the shell. Hmm? Did we all just get horny? Hmm? Just me? Look, man, there's a lot to unpack here, but most importantly, being a black woman isn't the qualification, all right? Joe Biden is gonna pick a black woman who is also qualified. These people act like Biden is just gonna show up at the mall and be like, yo, Shaniqua, come with me. Uh, my name is Regina. Uh, it doesn't matter, just put on these robes. I need help with abortion. No, she's going to be qualified. And why is that a bad thing? Why not try to make the Supreme Court a little more representative of the country it represents? I mean, their rulings impact the lives of every person in the country. So it would be nice to have at least one justice on there who's had to ask the Walgreens guy to unlock the shampoo shelf. But at the same time, at the same time, I also hear what these Fox people are saying, you know? It shouldn't matter whether you're black or white. This position should only go to the most qualified judge who also thinks that guns are people. And I mean, I feel bad for Tucker Carlson. Of course he's upset. You know, think about it. For almost all of American history, the entire Supreme Court was white dudes with bow ties and weird hair. And now that's all gone, huh? It's all gone. Where's Tucker's representation, huh? Lacrosse lives matter, people. All right, let's move on. From America to America's estranged dad, Great Britain. Their prime minister, Boris Johnson, has been embroiled in scandal ever since it was discovered that while Britons were in lockdown, he broke the rules and threw a bunch of office parties. And apparently they were partying for everything. Retirement parties, birthday parties, regular hangout parties. Shit, they were throwing parties just because someone figured out how to unjam the printer. It's working, it's really working. Well, this calls for a spot of bubbly. Greg, 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 Greg. And as if that wasn't bad enough, now Boris has another scandal brewing. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, get this, is once again on the defense over another issue. This time it's whether he authorized the evacuation of cats and dogs from Afghanistan. A batch of leaked emails appear to contradict Johnson's claims of having nothing to do with the evacuation of animals from a British charity in Afghanistan as the country fell to the Taliban and human beings were scrambling to find a way out of that country. The Prime Minister has always denied intervening, a denial he repeated this lunchtime. This whole thing is, is, is total rhubarb. The military always prioritised uh, human uh, beings, and that was quite right. And I think we should be incredibly proud of, uh, of what Pity and what it achieved. Yo, can I be honest? This is the most white people scandal of all time. You rescued pets before human beings? Guys, you have to prioritise saving people over animals because people will be grateful about it. You rescue a cat from Afghanistan, it'll act like it's doing you a favor. Meow, thanks. Now, Boris says that this whole scandal is total rhubarb. So you can tell he's stressed because British people only bust out the obscure vegetables when their backs are against the wall. Prince Andrew, what were you doing on Jeffrey Epstein's island? Oh, Brussels sprouts, it's not what you think. This is where you realize how special Trump was at getting out of a jam, right? 
Remember that guy? Because where most politicians try and undo the scandal, Trump was a genius, man. He would just add another one to throw us off the trail. I know you're upset, but why are we talking about me sleeping with a porn star when I'm about to overthrow the government, huh? That's the real story, folks. Throwing over my own government and I'm gonna overthrow it with me inside it. Now I'm upside down. All right, finally. Let us turn to today's big education news. I before E, except after C. Apparently, it's not true. You can just flip that shit. I based my whole personality on that. Also, another education story is over the last few months, there have been big movements by conservatives to put limits on what kids can learn in schools. Laws saying that you can't teach divisive concepts about race. Uh, laws saying that books should be pulled from libraries for talking about gender identity. Basically, at this point, if it's not math, science, or how to hide from a shooter, they don't think it's appropriate for kids to know about. And now one school board is going after a surprising new target. A Tennessee school board decided to ban the Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel, Mouse. It's the only graphic novel ever to win the Pulitzer, but the McKinn County School Board in Tennessee has banned the book. One board member said, quote, it shows people hanging, it shows them killing kids, why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It's not wise or healthy. Mouse is widely seen as the gold standard when it comes to teaching kids about the Holocaust. Given its unique voice, its unique approach, this decision baffling the author of Mouse, Art Spiegelman, he was interviewed by CNBC about the, the decision and he said this, it's leaving me with my jaw open. Like, what? I also understand that Tennessee is obviously demented. There's something going on very, very haywire there. Now, if you don't know Mouse, the whole reason this book is taught in middle school is that it's a serious book about the Holocaust that kids actually want to read, and adults too, right? Because a subject this huge and horrifying is hard to get your head around. So what Mouse does is it turns all of the people into cartoon animals. Right? The Jews are represented by mice, the Germans are represented by cats. And because that's a trope that we're familiar with from comic books, it helps people process this event that's unthinkable otherwise. I mean, it's either a comic book or that peanut special. It's genocide, Charlie Brown. No, but seriously though, just because you show something doesn't mean you're promoting it. You need to include certain stories because they represent reality, right? It's like having the N-word in Huckleberry Finn or the N-word in To Kill a Mockingbird, or the N-word in Of Mice and Men, or the N-word in... Good Night Moon. Wow. They said the N-word a lot. <laughs> so listen, Tennessee School Board, you don't need to be denying the Holocaust, okay? That's YouTube's job. Stay in your lane. And when you teach kids, teach them the whole truth. You can't teach it while avoiding some of the unpleasant parts. That's not the thing. That's history, you're supposed to teach it properly. And it's gonna make these kids look really dumb later on in life. Ah, yes, the Holocaust. When uh, millions of people were given free pajamas. No? Okay, enough of that. Let's move on to our main story, which is once again about the coronavirus pandemic. And I know it seems like we talk about COVID every single day, but don't worry, this is a new variant. One thing everyone agrees on is that sooner or later, kids need to be back in school because Zoom classes are a nightmare. And they were especially hard for the teachers at that Euphoria High School. Will everyone please turn on your cameras? Everyone turn, wait, 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 is that a penis? Is it, turn it off, turn it off. Now, unfortunately, 
schools have to contend with COVID, which also likes everyone being inside classrooms. So how are schools dealing with in-person classes during a pandemic? Well, let's find out in another installment of Getting Back to Normalish. If there's one thing we've learned about COVID is that it spreads most when people are crowded indoors. And if there's one thing that schools are about, it's crowding people into tight spaces, classrooms, hallways, lockers. So as you can imagine, this has caused a lot of problems for students. Since Omicron started, countless kids around the country have gotten infected or they've had to isolate because some kid in their class got infected. And when you think about it, it's disorienting not to know what each day is gonna bring. Are they gonna be in class? Are they gonna be home? Is the bullying gonna be in person or cyber? You need to plan. It's been chaos for students, which is why some schools have decided to do away with the indoor part of indoor learning altogether. The pandemic has many parents and school districts still struggling with remote versus in-person learning, but some schools are finding a compromise in the great outdoors. Despite frigid temperatures in Wisconsin and Maine, these schools moved some classes outside to help prevent the spread. 17 schools in Portland, Maine built outdoor learning spaces, plenty of winter gear and Wi-Fi. With wind chill, it's minus seven. Try not to burn your mittens. Yeah, that's right, COVID. You're not gonna get these kids because they're gonna freeze to death first. (laughs) Ha ha, checkmate. And look, I know those classrooms might be colder than the middle of a Trader Joe's burrito, but there are probably a lot of benefits for the students. Yeah, younger kids get to play in the snow and high schoolers, they don't have to worry about spontaneous erections anymore. Everybody wins. Not to mention these kids will be the first generation that can outflex their grandparents about how hard they had it. I used to walk 10 miles in the snow just to get to school. Bitch, the snow was my school. But if kids are stressed out by everything that's going on, it's also hard on the teachers. A lot of them are staying home because they're either worried about getting COVID or they already have it, which is why there's a big teacher shortage right now all across the country. And that's a problem because without teachers, you don't have a school. I mean, now it's just juvie. So schools around the country are trying to solve their staffing problems with whoever they can find. As Omicron surges on, teachers are calling out with COVID, leading to a potential crisis across the nation's schools. With record numbers calling in sick, thousands of schools have been forced to close. Schools scrambling to keep kids in the classroom, forced to come up with creative solutions. In Miami, a staggering 1,700 teachers called in sick today. It was all hands on deck. Even the district superintendent filled in as a substitute science teacher. In Michigan, lunch ladies and school bus drivers are stepping in to supervise classes. School districts facing teacher shortages are asking parents and alum to fill in as substitutes. Hundreds of parents in Palo Alto California are volunteering at schools, doing anything from light custodial work to food services. I've cleaned tables, I've swept floors. In New Mexico, the governor now calling on the National Guard to teach kids. In Oklahoma, off-duty police officers are now stepping in to teach. Wow. They're using cops as substitute teachers? I mean, that's one way to get the black kids raising their hands in class. Uh, Kevin, did you, did you have a question? Nah, sir, I just don't want any trouble. It would actually be pretty funny if the teachers and cops switched jobs permanently 
Because you gotta admit, it would be so nice to get pulled over by a teacher for a change. Cause they'd just be like, sir, do you know how fast you were going? Because you see, you left Tulsa at 3.08 PM and arrived here two hours later, which means, I'm not hating though, I'm not hating. I think it's great that people from the community are stepping up, but let's not forget, there's no way to replace a professional substitute teacher. Yeah. You think anyone can just show up, pass out a worksheet, and then get roasted for eight hours by a bunch of 11-year-olds? No, that is an art form. So a lot of these pandemic policies have been hard on students and teachers, but the people making the policies aren't getting off easy. And I'm talking about the local school boards. Yeah, they're stuck in the middle between parents who are terrified of their kids' safety and parents who are terrified that the masks their kids wear will turn their kids into tiny little Fauci's. I'm home from school, mom, and all the data supports me getting some mac and cheese right now. Follow the science, mommy. So, school boards are in a tough spot, and uh, not every parent is showing their appreciation. This school board meeting in Virginia taking a wild turn Thursday as a Page County parent was arrested and released on a $5,000 bond after she was captured on tape threatening to bring guns to her children's school if the district continued to enforce their mask mandate. My children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on. All right? That's not happening. And I will bring every single gun loaded and ready to, I, I will call every- That's three minutes. You've you gone past your time. It's a policy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll see y'all on Monday. So you don't want to hear the end of the threat? I mean, I know there's a time policy, but if someone's threatening to kill me, I want to hear what they have to say so I know how to escape. I mean, this does show you how often school boards get death threats screamed at them. Do you see how calm those people were? This woman is talking about bringing every loaded gun to the school, and they're like, time is up, thank you. <laughs> the next speaker is Jennifer Higgins, who has a proposal for burning down our houses. Go ahead, Jennifer, and please remember, keep it to three minutes. For more on the disruption that Omicron is causing with schools, let's go out now to Roy Wood Jr., who is standing outside a random school. Do I have to be out here, Trevor? It's cold as hell. I could just talk to you in the studio. I'm sorry, Roy, that's not possible. This is how the news is. You see, we're talking about a school, so you have to be at a school. Otherwise, how will the people trust what a school is? Anyway, let's talk about all the chaos in schools right now, Roy. It almost feels like we're back in 2020, right? It sure as shit does. I'm so fed up with Omicron, man. It's ruining everything. It's ruining things for students, for teachers, parents, everybody, not to mention, all the money I'm losing on these shirts I printed up a couple months ago. Look at this, man. I hadn't sold a single one of these. Damn, Omicron, you don't know the overhead on that. Really gives you a new appreciation for all those chill viruses we have out there. Yeah, that's so... Wait, I'm sorry, did you say chill viruses? I, I don't think there's such a thing as a chill virus, Roy. No, I think that's where you're wrong, Trevor. There are plenty of viruses out there just keeping to themselves, not stirring up trouble all the time, like uh, hepatitis A. I'm sorry, Roy. Are you saying that hepatitis A is a chill virus? Yeah, totally chill virus, Trevor. Calm as hell. Nobody's getting hepatitis A just standing in line at Walmart. Only way you're getting it is if you go out to eat and the cook don't wash his hands after wiping his ass. 
You don't have to worry about masks or booster shots with hepatitis A. Just don't order a sloppy joe at a truck stop and you're good. Well, Roy, I wasn't planning on it, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You know, like maybe we should give credit to all those viruses out there that are less annoying day to day. Like, like what's that virus that causes mono? Oh, you talking about my boy, Epstein-Barr, or also known as the kissing disease. Now, you may not know this, Trevor, but you know why they call it the kissing disease? Because you get it from kissing. It's one of the few diseases where the diagnosis comes with a high five. That's so true, Roy. You know, the doctor's just like, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is you got mono. The good news is my man. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. By the way, did you know that Epstein Barr is named after Jeffrey Epstein and former Attorney General Bill Barr? It's their first collab before Barr killed Epstein in a jail cell. I did not know that, Roy. Uh, well, now you do. I don't preach, I teach. And here's one other virus that I've never really appreciated until Corona came along, herpes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I'm ready to throw my support behind herpes. Well, you should be. Did you know, Trevor, 200 million people in this country have herpes, but it's such a chill virus that most people don't even realize they have it. It's just like Cinemax sitting up there at Channel 637, just minding his own business. Hell, I bet you have herpes. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have herpes. I do not, Roy. Statistically, you probably do. I don't. I'm sure that I don't, Roy. Thank you so much. Yeah, look, it doesn't matter if or how you got herpes, man. The point is, I want to take a moment to apologize to all the chill viruses out there. We took you for granted before, but no longer. We appreciate you and all you do for us. From Hepe all the way to Trevor Noah's herpes, uh, I, thank you. I do not, I do not have herpes. Thank you so much, thank Roy. Let's, you, let's just cut it. Thank let's you, just, Let's just cut his feet. All right, ignore thank that. You, Trevor, We're gonna take you. a quick break, and when we come back, Ronnie Chang will explain why American football makes no sense. You don't wanna miss it. We can cut out all the herpes stuff, right? That. We can just cut out the herpes. What do you mean we're live? We, we're just gonna have herpes? My, my herpes is on TV? No, I don't have herpes. I'm just saying the thing he said about my herpes on TV now. It's confirmed, he has it, yes. Yes, he does. Okay, just making sure. Welcome back to The Daily Show. If you spent your whole life in America, you might not know what other countries think about this great country. Well, luckily, Ronnie Chang is happy to tell you in his new segment, America WTF. As someone who's lived all over the world, it's my responsibility to let Americans know that the rest of us think a lot of what you guys do is super weird. For example, American football, which you guys think of as the most normal thing ever. But let me assure you, everything about it is crazy. Before the game even starts, everyone has to stand up and sing the national anthem together. Nobody else on the planet does that. We just assume everyone knows what country they're in before the game starts. And then there's the game itself. First of all, the teams all have like 300 people. That's not a sport, that's an army. There's so many people that everyone has their own special little job to do. Like one guy throws the ball, one guy kicks the ball, one guy throws the ball to the guy who throws the ball. And speaking of the ball, this isn't normal either, okay? Balls are supposed to be round. That's the main thing that makes it a ball. But in this insane sport, even the ball looks like it has brain damage. And what's with the scoring? 
Six points for a touchdown, one point for the kick after you make it, but if you make the same kick before you scored, it would have been three points. And you can also score a touchdown again after the touchdown, but this time it's only worth two points. Who came up with this shit? If you ask me, a touchdown should be worth 100 points. The player deserves it. He basically dodged a mugging with a slippery almond in his hand. And 100 points would be way easier to keep up with than all these other numbers. How do you people get drunk at these games and still follow along without a spreadsheet? And speaking of drinking, you guys realize how weird tailgating is, right? Like, I don't care how you want to brand it, getting drunk in a parking lot isn't a family activity. It's a sign to get your life together. I feel like the whole thing started because a bunch of pickup trucks broke down in a stadium parking lot and they just tried to play it off like, oh, no, 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 we meant to park here for five hours before the game. But if you're tailgating at a game, better not be too young because don't forget about America's super weird drinking age. You gotta be 21 to drink in this country? That doesn't make sense. Okay, I guess they're trying to keep college kids from becoming alcoholics or something, but I'm pretty sure that experiment has failed. College dorms are so soaked in booze that if you lit a match, the whole building would explode. So maybe you're not going to a game. Maybe you're watching at home instead. In which case, you'll probably see about 50 TV ads for prescription drugs, which I know you think is normal, but trust me, you're the only ones. There's a reason this doesn't happen in other countries. Most of the people watching TV aren't doctors, so there's no reason to market to them directly, especially the way they do it. They're always asking you questions like, hey, are you drowsy or sad or achy or farting? <laughs> yes, I'm all those things right now because I'm a f***ing person. If someone needs a drug, the doctor will prescribe it. You shouldn't have to ask them if it's right for you. This doesn't happen in any other part of medical care. Okay, there's no TV ads asking you to ask your doctor whether they should cup your balls and make you cough. Your pervert doctor will do that on their own. Look, do your thing, America. Okay, just know that whenever you're ready, you're more than welcome to join the rest of the world and start following soccer, a sport where the ball is round, the scoring is simple, and the only thing fans are doing in the parking lot is fighting each other to the death, like God intended. Thank you so much for that, Ronnie. All right, when we come back, Olympic champion Lindsey Vonn will be joining me right here on the show, so don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Olympic gold medalist and the most decorated female skier of all time, Lindsey Vonn. She's here to talk about her new memoir about her record-breaking skiing career and her new journey as an entrepreneur. Lindsey Vonn, welcome to The Daily Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I, I've, I've known you for a few years, so I knew some of the stories in this book, but like, I didn't know how much of a, let me choose my words carefully, <laughs> crazy person you were. Um, I was expecting something like this. No, 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 you know why, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why. Because like, I struggle to plan what I'm gonna do next week in life. You had a 10-year plan to make it to the Olympics. And this is a, a plan as a nine-year-old, I have to add on top of that. So at nine years old, you're like, I wanna go to the Olympics in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, my dad definitely helped me with the planning. Um, but we had, yeah, I met Peekaboo Street, my idol, when I yes. was nine. Came home and I was like, this is it, this is what I wanna do. And I was like, okay, let's make a plan. We printed out calendars, we had highlighters. It was like a whole thing. What are you planning in that 10 years? I'm, <laughs> no, I mean, I know you're the greatest, but what takes 10 years? I, I need to understand what so takes... So when you're nine, okay. you have to like build up a point profile, you know, certain requirements that you have to make in order to kind of make the progression to even get to the US ski team and then to the Olympics. 
So, and my dad was a racer when he was growing up. Right, right, right. A junior racer, so he knew kind of all the levels that I needed to get. And, you know, obviously I had to start expanding my repertoire because I was from Minnesota. So 300 vertical feet is not <laughs> a place where you learn downhill skiing. So we had to move to Colorado when I was 12. Got so it was it. like, you okay. know, the 10-year plan was extensive. Okay. I understand. I mean, you, yeah, Minnesota might not have been great for your repertoire, but it was great for preparing you for um, the doldrums of the cold. Do you even feel cold anymore? <laughs> I hate like the like cold. everyone is dying here in New York. Everyone's freezing. And then today when you came in, I was like, oh, she's just gonna come in like a tank top and be like, oh, summer day, everybody. How you doing? I hate the cold. I You're like it. the bane of the cold. Ah, but run. <laughs> Like, that's you. The <laughs> bane of the cold. You are the bane of the cold. I mean, uh, why do you think I ski fast? To I get out like, of the cold? Exactly. <laughs> Literally, I make it to the bottom as fast as I can. I put my clothes back on. Okay, this makes a lot it of makes sense. Makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. yeah. I also didn't know, and this was really cool to read in the book. You're an interesting human being in that you, you talk about how, like, how hard life was for you in some instances. Athletes used to be told, hey, don't, don't tell people you're depressed. You're yeah. gonna lose everything. Endorsements, don't, people don't want you on a team. You came out and said, hey, I'm struggling with depression and this is what I'm doing about it. But what was interesting to me is the fact that you, you, don't, you don't seem to have fear when it comes to the slopes though. Like life is this scary thing and then you're going down a hill at I don't know how many miles an hour. 85. 85 miles Roughly. an hour. 85 miles, not kilometers. Miles, right, correct, miles per hour. And there's no fear. No, I mean, the skiing was like the most uh, simple thing in my life, the easiest thing. Everything else was hard, and skiing many, was like my sanctuary. How many times have you crashed? I mean, we don't have enough, you know, hours in the show to talk After the about first crash, no fear? No, it's just, that's part of the job, you know? Like, that's, that's the risk factor in skiing, and that's honestly one of the things that makes it exciting. You right. know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be exciting if every time you fell, you fell into a pile of pillows. Well, that's what I thought it was. I wanted to go skiing. I've, I don't know how to ski, and I always wanted to learn how to ski. Okay, it's and done. Then, We're doing and it. Then, no, and then I saw all of your injuries. Then I was like, I thought the whole point of skiing is that you fall into, like, clouds, and then you don't get hurt. And then Snow then, is not as soft as it may appear. Yeah, you see, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. That's Ice like a, is hard. <laughs> yes. Um, Lindsey Vaughn has gone on to inspire so many people. You know, uh, you, you're mentoring you know, some of the skiers, some of the athletes who are going to, to, the, um, to the Winter Olympics. You're gonna be commentating on that. When, you, when you're watching um, the Olympics, do you have favorites? Do you have sports that you love? Is it always gonna be skiing? Or are there some winter like sports where you're like, nah, this is like my secret passion. Like curling is my shit. That's how I roll. I mean, I'm from Minnesota, so curling should be my shit. Okay. But, but it's not, sorry. I love figure skating. I just think it's really cool. Like figure skating and gymnastics are my jam, but you know, I always love alpine skiing. And of course, I'm gonna be cheering for people that, you know, I've helped over the last couple of years and throughout my career, um, and obviously Team USA. Right. Um, but it's also gonna be, you know, hard a little bit to watch because I'm gonna be miss, I, I'll, I will miss competing a little bit. One of the hardest things athletes face is the fact that their careers are essentially over when life sort of begins. Yeah. You know, athletes talk about this all the time, you know, whether it's, you know, Chris Bosch, you know, whether it's Dwayne Wade, whether it's yourself, everyone goes, yeah, I'm, I'm 36 years old, 37 years old, and now life is over. How, how have you dealt with that? It was a tough transition. I think the first year was, was really hard. And even though I had set up business and I had so much to do, it didn't take away from the fact that, you know, skiing was was gone. Right. You know, it's something that you've done your entire life. And it's not like a career change where, you know, you could change your mind and go back to it. 
it's like one day you wake up and literally what you love to do is no longer possible. Wow. So it was just, I don't know, it was a hard moment for me, but I figured it out and I found new passions and new ways to challenge myself. I think that's the most important thing. You know, athletes are very driven and goal oriented and we just need something to push ourselves towards. And for me, that's become business and, you know, I've been venture capital a bit now. So there's just a lot of things that are going on, which you know, excites me. It's not going 85 miles an hour down a mountain, right. but you know, I will make do with what I have. Are there any things that you that you miss that you that you try and apply to your life now? Like, I didn't know, for instance, that before you went downhill, you would you would spit. I don't know if I was reading that correctly. You 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 were spitting. Yes. Of all the things to pick out in my book, you know, we can talk about spitting. But no, yeah, I mean, I just, this is the thing to, to not, it, like, I didn't understand was, this. Well, I don't know. I think it, that's just something that I naturally did. But I guess it, like, boosts testosterone. I think some athletes do it. So it's not very um, ladylike. So you spit before, like, you do the thing? Yeah, it's just like a, I don't know, it's a, it's a thing. Wow. I don't know. Do you do that now before big meetings? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It could bring back the throne. No, I don't think the boardroom is meant for you, Yeah, you do it outside spinning. the boardroom, I obviously. I, I mean, this yeah. is a civilized environment. You're just outside the boardroom, <laughs> right. before just the boardroom. Before, in the bathroom, before spit. I go to my meeting, I just... You know what? Get into Don't it. Don't knock it before you try I'll just do some little Wayne instead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Vaughn, congratulations on writing an amazing book. It's really fun. It's a really inspiring story. Um, I think people will really enjoy it. And uh, good luck for the Olympics. Thank you. Good luck for the world of venture capital and business. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again on the show. Thank you. All right, people. Lindsay's memoir, Rise, is available wherever books are sold. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. So, please consider supporting the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. It's a living memorial that seeks to inspire citizens and leaders worldwide to confront hatred, prevent genocide, and promote human dignity. If you would like to help support their programs, then please donate at the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're out in the woods, and you come across a classroom of students, that's their home, and they're more scared of you than you are of them. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.